Will you pray with me? Hover here, O God, as you hovered over the waters of creation, that what we hear and do and create in this time might be to your glory. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I sat down to work on the sermon for this week with high spirits and this just sense of gratitude for creation. It was a beautiful afternoon, and I had opened the shutters in my office to let the light in and sat there and read through the Scripture several times, just sort of basking in the lavish beauty that the psalmist outlines in God's creation. And then it started. You know what's coming. It got worse. And the motor started to kick into high gear, and I turned my head, and slowly, like out of the edge of the window, came these two men with their very large and obnoxiously loud electric shears. And just as their tools quieted after they had shaped the bush outside of my office, the mower and the leaf blower started up. And I walked into Megan's office very dramatically and said, I'm going somewhere else. It's not that I don't want the church grounds to be well cared for or that I'm unappreciative of the labor of our grounds team in the heat of the summer, but in that particular moment, gratitude and joy were not the feelings coursing through my heart. But I get it, right? I also enjoy spending time out in the garden and ensuring that the creation under my care is well tended. There is something about planting and pruning and watering that is good for the plants and good for our spirits. And there's nothing like looking out at your freshly mowed lawn that gives some sense of order to your days. That finely tended lawn allows me, if only for a brief moment, to believe that I have some control over my surroundings, which living with two small children often feels like a world of chaos. Unfortunately, that yearning for order and mastery and dominion plays right into our human ego. We have assumed now for ages that creation was under our realm to control. We go all the way back to Genesis 1, and God's spirit hovered over the chaos, and God spoke creation into being. And on the sixth day, God created humanity in God's image and likeness and gave us dominion over the animals and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And somewhere along the line, humanity misunderstood that call. God granted humans dominion, and we construed that to mean that we could have control over creation rather than being in partnership with it that we could dominate creation rather than being stewards and caretakers of it, that it was ours to use rather than ours to care for as co-laborers in the vineyard with God. 
So from the leaf blowers outside my office to our global consumption of resources, our desire to make creation about and for us reveals that we maybe haven't sorted out our place in creation. So what are we to do? What are we to learn? Our recent focus on creation care, both at the church and in our culture at large, is not just about glorified yard work in God's name. We understand as a society that care for God's creation is a global calling. Some call it a global emergency. Climate change and rising temperatures and natural disasters have led us to a sort of call to arms to save the world. Because if human abuses led to the destruction of our precious natural resources, then the repair and restoration of the earth must be our responsibility as well. We assume, perhaps rightfully so, that we are obligated to fix what we have broken. And we should be striving to live by the Boy Scout rule to leave the place better than you found it. And in my experience, everyone is trying to do their part whether you're simply recycling in your home or trying to drive less and walk more or eating organically, we have been trying for years, decades now, to reduce, reuse, and recycle our way into a better planet. And even as we do that, I also find that I spend much of my days feeling guilty about the decisions we make. It's going to take several Priuses to overcome the damage my family alone has done as a result of disposable diapers. But we keep trying, right? The MPC care team has been studying and exploring creation this past year as a way to try and move us from awareness of our sin to a sanctified life in relationship with the earth. They're proposing ways for each of us in our own lives and in our church together to care, to cultivate awareness and renew energy. The problems exist on this global scale, but our work of holy repair requires collective action from everyone in each of our individual lives, and so we give thanks for their good and faithful work, and as an unsolicited and friendly PSA, I'm sure they would welcome more hands on deck. But I also have to be honest, at, at some point it all feels like a drop in the bucket and it's easy to grow weary and jaded. Because how much is composting or meatless Mondays or avoiding plastic straws really doing? For humans who yearn to have dominion, we struggle from this sense of collective action failure. We want a problem we can solve. And the struggles of our earth feel so massive that we as individuals or even as a whole church can feel powerless. So what are we to do in those moments? Poet Anne Weems starts by reflame, reframing our place in creation. She writes, when the journey gets too hard, when we feel depleted, when our compassion turns to complaining, when our efforts toward justice and mercy seem to go nowhere, it's time to remember the humility part, that it is God who made us and not we ourselves, that the saving of the world and not even one part of it is on our shoulders. 
And it is then that we can come unto Him, and He will give us rest. And with rest, we will remember what it is we are all about. So perhaps instead of how are we to save the, que- the world, the question is, what is it that God made us about? Weems, in her own poetic way, is sort of lovingly and gently able to put us back in our place. Because when we're not trying to do everything or fix everything or save everything ourselves, we're able to step back and remember that we too are created beings under God's care. And when we take ourselves out of the spotlight that blinds us and leads us to believe that we are all that matters, then our eyes are able to adjust to the beauty that is around us that is completely outside of our doing. We're able to step back and see. And what we're able to see is humbling, right? The sun rises, the rain falls, the grass grows, the flower blooms, the birds sing, all without any help from us, all without us telling them to do so. There are an abundance of creation psalms throughout the Psalter, But the one thing that they seem to have in common is that they are descriptive rather than prescriptive. Rarely do they ask us to do anything. And that's unusual for us who are always looking for something to do, but it's especially true in Psalm 104. The psalmist today isn't delighting in the things that we as humans do to tend and care for creation. The psalmist isn't instructing us on how we're to be better stewards of the earth. The psalmist, in fact, has very little to say about our role. In today's psalm, humanity is an observer, not an actor. In today's psalm, we're ancillary to the cause of creation. Creation is God's. Our job is to bask in its beauty, to sing to meditate upon what God has done. Our job is to look upon creation with awe. And the generosity of God's creative power is nothing short of awesome. The psalmist poetically points us to God's handcrafting of creation for God's delight and for ours. The psalm crafts this picture of God creating for the purpose of God having a dwelling place, a place to live. It loosely follows the days of creation in Genesis, light, sky, earth, sun, moon, creatures of all kinds, but unlike in Genesis 1, where the days are simply ordered, in the psalm we gain a sense of purpose for creation. God needed a home. The psalm sings, God clothes God's self with an ar- a garment of light. God stretches out the heavens like a tent and makes the clouds and winds to ride as a chariot so that God can move freely about the world. Old Testament scholar Bill Brown, who is actually coming to Morningside this fall to teach Sunday school, unpacks this psalm a bit further. He writes, God created a home for divinity and in turn established a home for every living creature. As the tenants of God's 
cosmic mansion, he says, all of God's creatures are recipients of God's providential care. So it's not just that God created on each day and saw it good. It's not that God created the world, gave humanity the keys to the kingdom, and left on a permanent vacation. God created the world so that God and we and all creation could have a dwelling of delight, a palace of praise to live in together. And absent anywhere in this psalm is a hint of human dominion. Vegetation is shared for both cattle and human beings. The trees are for the birds, not for lumber. So by recognizing that God is the one that provides for us all, the psalm creates a, a sense of gratitude and awe. So if we're not here to claim dominion, then what is it that we are about? In the Psalms, we are about nothing beyond joy and praise. Bill Brown writes, as the choir master of praise, the psalmist calls the readers to humanity's true nature, not simply as homo sapiens, but as homo laudens, he says, as the praising humans, in the hope that God will hear and remain the deus ludens, the God who plays, the God who plays to sustain creation. The psalmist imagines us as members of a kind of cosmic choir composed of all creation, and by praising God, we urge God on in the creative and the creating work of God creating a dwelling for all of us. The thing is, creation does this really well on its own. You only have to sit on your back porch during the summer to know that the tree frogs and the grasshoppers sing to their heart's delight. The lightning bugs fill the sky with flickers of beauty. The birds sing sweet melodies. They seem to innately know how to live into this purpose of praise. So why is it so hard for us? I wonder if it's because we're not particularly good at receiving gifts from our generous God. And the final gift that God gives us at the end of creation is an invitation to Sabbath, to rest, to delight, to sing, to stand in awe of this palace of praise that God has built that we simply get to live in. No mortgage payment, no way to earn your keep, no weeding or chores provided. The lavish generosity of our Creator is pure gift. But my mama taught me to write a thank you note when you receive a gift. And so the question is, how are we to respond in gratitude? But if we follow the song of the psalm, then our thanks is offered in no other way than singing praise and spending time with God. So whether you do that within the walls of this sanctuary or out somewhere in nature's beauty, the way we respond to the generosity of our Creator is not to write a thank you note, but to live our gratitude simply by being with God, which is what Sabbath is all about. Now, I will be the first to tell you that Sabbath is not my spiritual gift. In fact, I'm especially bad at it. 
Rest is not something I do well. I have an incessant need to say yes to things. I have spent several years with a spiritual director learning how to faithfully rest in the presence of God and how to simply be. Some of you who have been doing Centering Prayer with me on Thursdays know that just sitting still for 20 minutes is tough. But just like the best tutors in school are often not the kids who performed best in the subject and just get it, but the ones who struggled and have to learn it over and over, I can tell you this, what I have learned is that when I actually take a Sabbath, my spirit is better for it. The people and creation around me are better for it as well. So if the Psalms offer us any guidance, then as we look at our lives in the here and now and our lives moving forward, the invitation seems to be not to simply build back everything that we were doing before the pandemic until we were in a frenzy of activity that kills us and kills creation, but to step forward with intention, to remember what it is that we are about as humans and to find a way to honor the Sabbath and delight in God's creation for the sake of ourselves and for the sake of the world. We're at an interesting point. This is our chance. Coming out of the pandemic, this is our chance to hit reset, to live differently, to establish patterns that allow us to live into what we are about as creatures who are made for praise and awe. So how will you choose to pattern your days?